0: You are listening to Retro TV, a podcast about the wonderful world of nearly forgotten television. Today, we're bringing you not only a very special guest, but a show that is not at all normally on my radar. But first, I want to introduce Chantel. How are you doing, Chantel?
1: I'm good. Thank you for asking.
0: Um, you're, you're calling me, calling me, you're Skyping me from um, Canada? And
1: that
0: is correct. Um, we we went down a long rabbit hole of a discussion about um, Canada's things and how different they are and how similar they are to the United States and um, I don't know I just love learning about places that um, either I've never been or that places I kind of want to get to you know
1: yeah and I feel the same way like I said I've been to the state of New York but I. I'd like to see more of it. It was a really beautiful it's place.
0: Like, maybe I don't need to return anytime soon.
1: <laughs> well, maybe not now. Yeah, no. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What's wrong? No, <laughs> oh, nothing's
0: wrong. It's So, so um the show that we're talking about is called Emergency. And Emergency was always on my radar. It fell into this category when it was um when I was a kid. Um there was SWAT. There was um Adam Twelve. Shows like that that were kind of focused towards the emergency services, um, I guess, genre. And I feel like we don't have shows that are focused towards the emergency response genre anymore.
1: Not like these were. I mean, I think that there is a genre, but they're way more soap opery than they used to be.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't know if. I think that maybe they're leaving money on the table. I, I think that. Having a show that maybe touches upon volunteer firefighters or, um, you know, EMT drivers. You, did you say your father was an EMT?
1: Uh, my dad was a uh, firefighter and a paramedic. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think he. I should say EMT. I think he was EMT and then got his paramedic. It's. I'd have to ask him. But okay. yeah, he he essentially is what he did. What Roy and the two main characters, Roy and Johnny, did.
0: Hmm. So when you would watch this, you'd probably have that kind of um, like, oh, this is what dad does.
1: (laughs) So here's the weird thing. As it is for a lot of people who do a very specific profession like this, um, we never watched this. This was not a show we watched at my house. It was never on. My dad didn't like it. I never watched it as a kid. Hmm. Um, My dad was a huge MASH fan. I I can tell you within seconds when an episode of that starts what it's going to be. I've seen it every episode a thousand times. But Emergency... I think it was a little too close to home uh really yeah and emergency premiered in 1970 and so I wasn't born until 74 so it was already like it had a few seasons left but I, I wasn't really old enough to catch the seasons at all even if I had wanted I, I wasn't really like watching tv on my own as it were mm-hmm. uh my husband as we were talking about is six years older than me and he remembered watching it as a kid And he had bought all the seasons when they came out in DVD. And one day I actually sat down and watched it with him. (laughs) And I was like, this is a really good show. Like I, There was so much in the show that reminded me growing up in an emergency services family and seeing the massive changes that were actually happening to the fire service at the time. Hmm. And, of course, Jack Webb uh, was the producer of the show. And he also did Dragnet and Adam-12, and he was very, very concerned with making shows as realistic as possible, as well as being entertaining. So um, he had you know, this great vision, and I think he really did it well.
0: Well, I think that there's a strong correlation I see with this particular episode anyway. I don't know if it goes to each and every episode, but there's the cautionary tale. And it's something that we see very often in Dragnet, and, um, and the other shows that maybe he produced, I, I'm really only familiar with, I'm um, and kind of like, um, I don't know, like it gets like kind of serious for a moment. It's like the guy is like a track mark, and it's like, cut the crap kid. You know? Yeah. You're a junkie. Uh,
1: kinda. And I think that, um, firefighting was very different up until this point. It was literally, you know, something's on fire. We're going to show up and we're going to put it out Hmm. there wasn't a lot prevention wasn't a lot of of the work and and sort of like advancing the career hadn't really happened in any great degree um whereas the 70s they were more concerned about getting out the word about kids playing with matches that was a very especially in the 70s with like you know couches and things the burning bed yeah yeah like Kids played with matches and burned their houses down and died in houses because people didn't have smoke detectors. I mean, it was it was a lot more common for someone to die in a house fire prior to sort of the fire department taking a more proactive stance in, in what they did as a profession.
0: But um, So the show starts out the way a lot of these shows start. I'm going to play um, The Call. <laughs> yes. you know, it kind of sets us up for what we can expect. This is, you know, kind of the teaser that brings us into the episode before the opening credits. Squad 51, traffic accident, child struck by car, 200 West Salty,
2: 200 West Salty, Cross Street, 2nd Avenue, timeout 1024. Squad 51, 104, KMG 365.
0: So they talk about a bunch of stuff, I have no idea what they're talking about, but I think as a kid you're like, oh, this is exciting, you know, um... They're brave. They're going right to the call. and Yeah, it's
1: an, I, I used to visit my dad at the firehouse. So mm. in our town, well, city, I mean, it was a small city, but uh, firefighters would work uh, two days on, uh, sorry, four days on, four days off. So my dad would do two day shifts that were 12 hours long and two night shifts that were 12 hours right. long. And if he was on night shift, uh, we'd go and visit occasionally. Right. And if the alarm went off, that's what it sounded like. And
0: the two characters, the main guys, are Roy and John? Correct. So Roy and John pull up, and there's a kid lying on the ground, and there's a lady with kind of a likely story. So um, I'm pretty sure that this woman would normally be going towards the electric chair at this time. <laughs> but uh, here it is.
1: He, he came out from between the parked cars. I-
0: <laughs> You're a liar, lady. <laughs> <You> did <laughs> not. Look at this bike. And I don't care. You didn't see this bike. This bike weighs like 45 pounds. Isn't it
1: like a like classic Schwinn with the banana seat too? Yeah. It looks like
0: a, it looks like a a Schwinn stingray. Yeah. Or something like that. I certainly had something like it. I don't know if I had the same one. I thought that this was Todd Bridges from, I kept thinking like, is this going to be Todd Bridges? But it wasn't. It wasn't. Some kid oh. I've never seen before.
1: Locked my brakes in, and then he fell off his bicycle. He just started rolling around on the ground. And I poured this beer
0: all over myself. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, lady. Back it up.
1: I swear I didn't hit him.
0: Shouldn't swear. <laughs>
1: and you have Especially like the 70s. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you
0: have Punch standing next to her. And he's like, just listening. This is something. There's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of calming people down here that I don't think happens in real life.
1: Look no, like I did.
0: What? Sorry.
1: Oh, I just, yeah, I don't, I like think it's, it's going
0: to be fine.
1: Yeah, oh, you could just television go. It's very, I think it's very, it's, it had this thing to it that just, I think, I think Gen Xers like you and I just destroyed TV that had any sort of humanity to it. We're just,
0: yes, <laughs> it's true. It's very true.
1: But I didn't.
2: He's having trouble breathing, and no, uh, no broken bones, no apparent head injuries.
0: See, nowadays it would be the police officer who would go. All right, so you admit you hit him. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, like, I think I want to. I want to point out that Roy and Johnny are specialized in what they're doing. That now, I mean, I think there was a time when, like, fire departments. I think sometimes it depends on like where you are, but there was a time through the nineties where you had to be a paramedic and a firefighter. But at the time, oh really, Johnny, Johnny and Roy are specialized in what they do. They're specialized because they're paramedics. And mm-hmm. in the really early series, when they go to a fire they're they're the only two that are checked out, um, in pilot lingo on the breathing apparatus. That was also a new thing.
0: Hmm. So yeah, they, they wheel out this oxygen tank and, um, They're just kind of checking. Check the mouth. It's going to be a cautionary tale, I think, coming. Son, Can you talk at all? And that, where did that New York accent come from? Can you talk at all? Jeez. You're an L.A., buddy. You have In-N-Out Burger. Relax.
2: (laughs) Feel anything? Yeah, I think so. Sit him up.
0: Sweat (sighs) pits. He makes this ridiculous face and he pulls a wad of gum out of the kid's mouth (laughs) bubble
2: gum must have swallowed it when he fell off his bike better get
0: the o2 on him
2: you're gonna be all right now
0: you're gonna be okay
1: i didn't hit him i swear it
0: you still sticking to that story lady apparently Uh, we know you didn't ma'am how do you know all right (laughs) how does he know she didn't
1: she might be lying she might be, but that's for the cops to figure out, not the firefighters.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true, but I don't know. He's probably going to ask for her number or something, the way oh, he's
1: I looking so. at her. Would to be all right?
2: Yeah, yeah, he's got a few bruises, that's all. Can
0: I have your name? That's all. It's like, where is, this guy grew up in, like, Patchogue, Long Island or something.
1: <laughs> I bet Kevin you he did. Tye? Where's Kevin Ty from? Is,
0: um, Is that Let a Kevin Ty? I, I have it right here. I bet you he's from Long Island. No, I was born in L.A. What the heck?
1: Wow. Huh.
0: Well, I'm really surprised to hear that. (laughs) I am, too. Because it sounds like he works in Roosevelt Field Mall.
1: (laughs) Hey, (laughs) ma'am.
2: Janet Caldwell. Your address, please. 416 Amherst.
0: Now, I definitely think that this show was created as a form of propaganda to recruit kids into the idea of... Going into this profession. It gave them a focus of like, I want to be a cop. I want to be a paramedic. And and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not I'm not trying to say it's a bad thing. Not all propaganda is necessarily negative. Um but the way that they're doing it, it's also very dragnet, like sticking to the facts.
1: Yes. And again, that was Jack Webb's influence that he wanted to he wanted to entertain, but he also wanted to bring very clear a very clear message and mm. a very clear understanding of what this profession was about and what was going on, right?
0: Kevin Tig has a master's degree in theater.
1: Yeah, he's like, I, I don't know, uh, do you know like John Sayles, the director?
0: Uh, yes, yes.
1: So I'm a big fan of John Sayles and David Strathairn and uh, oh. Kevin Ty is also like one of those, like he's part, he's he's in a lot of John Sayles movies also. Uh,
0: part of the circle.
1: Part of the circle.
0: A friendship circle. Meanwhile, on the dirty streets of LA, is this going to go on my insurance record? No. <laughs> Seem to be worried about money now. A, a boy's life was just almost taken away from him. But no, but she, of course, is concerned. Um, I wonder if they even had the those kind of laws where, like, no fault insurance.
1: <laughs> Not sure. I. Don't know, because yeah, I'm Canadian, so...
0: Yes. Do you have car like, insurance? You have car Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I have car insurance
1: and stuff, but, like, when it comes to injuries, I mean, I'm covered for libel, Oh, that's so, true, yeah. And I... We don't have to pay to, like, if I run over some kid, his parents don't have to pay to go get him fixed, right? Like... But
0: they could sue you. Maybe.
1: Uh, Doesn't happen as much. They're not going to have a hospital bill, right? Like... <laughs> Yeah.
0: But what if he's so they, now afraid of cars?
1: Sure. They could <laughs> Yeah. I mean, they're long before that would happen. We don't really sue in Canada like that. And long before that would happen, they would just like my insurance company would pay them out. Like uh, here's money for pain and suffering. We don't have those huge settlements. Like
0: it sounds like right a out. perfect place for me to move and sue everyone. <laughs> 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 I'm bringing it to the forefront. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Wow. Move oh, man, to Alberta. Alberta, yeah, then
1: yeah, and then I, we can like make our own little walnut grove. That's my dream.
0: Like an actual, <laughs> like an actual recreation of walnut yeah. grove.
1: Well, like a you creek,
0: know, <laughs> you I know, Plum totally, Creek. You know,
1: I can totally be, um, I can totally be uh, Mrs. Olson. It'll be, it'll be fantastic.
0: Well, it, it, we, I think all we need is probably about hundred acres. <laughs> we can, <laughs> we can do it. You know, but. Um, All right, it's something to at least... We'll pencil it in and we'll we'll come back to it.
2: (laughs) For our records. You just sit back. How you doing? Okay, I think. You want to try to stand up? I guess so.
0: So, yeah, the kid's okay, I guess, too, for the most part. They decided to start questioning him. Of course, this is something that wouldn't really happen nowadays. They would wait until... Um, the kid was with an adult on. So I guess they wouldn't be quite the EMT guys would not be questioning. It would probably be with the police or they would probably have a female come just so you have a male and a female there. Nowadays, everything is so um, protective.
1: It's a very different world. Yeah.
0: Yes. But this with some guys standing on the street, just watching and these guys are going to basically get all of his information. <laughs> Uh, if it's alright. I'd like to go home. Now, this isn't gonna hurt. See? It's cold. I'd be screaming, because it, it, no matter what, you're spraying it on me. I'm like, no! <laughs> it hurts! I'm okay. You don't have to put anything on it. Well,
2: see, I have to, or I get a bad mark on my report card. Oh. What's your name, son?
0: Tommy Johnson.
2: Uh, where do you live, Tommy.
0: 308 Salty. Why do you have to know that?
2: Oh, just so our boss knows we're working here and not goofing off someplace. Oh. How old are you, Tommy? Ten and a half.
0: Can I go now?
2: Uh, just hang on for a second. What
0: happened? So his his mom sees him and comes running across and everything's fine, I guess, you know. Um... It's just you know we don't really expect the next thing to happen, which is kind of it kind of comes out of left field. <clears throat> Mrs. Caldwell is just kind of wading around. She's like, you know, um, can I go? Can I go? I have ice cream in my car. I have to head home. And um, this is what happens. It's all right if you leave now, Miss Caldwell. Uh, uh... And you can tell by the sound. She has an epileptic seizure, and they show these little things, like she has an ID, um, I don't know if it was a necklace or a bracelet, stating she's epileptic. And um, they jump right to action, you know, and it's a very scary thing. I don't know if you know anybody or um, have had epilepsy um, around you at all, but it's one of those things that can be very, very scary and very um, dangerous.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. I've never yeah. been around it, but i it would certainly be terrifying too. I think here in
0: the States, I, I think they take your driver's license away if you have an epileptic attack or a seizure of some sort.
1: I think it, yeah, I think there's probably like.
0: Not it epilepsy, be, but yet yeah, it, 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 yeah, yeah. it has to be a certain amount of time. Yeah.
1: Because sometimes it's a child. Kids sometimes grow out of it, right? But some adults still. Yeah, have they, it,
0: so. but they have to take their medication and all that kind of stuff. But. She didn't take her medication, and it's another cautionary tale. I I just have to say right off the bat, I would not be able to watch this show because of the things they talk about make me very, very uneasy. <laughs> when they talk about, like, for instance, um, for the people listening to this, they probably already know it, but I do a, a podcast called Walnut Grovecast, and we did the episode with Uh, Ma getting tetanus and she has to basically drain her leg and she's just sitting there and she's looking at this leg and I have a very difficult time (laughs) with these type of things.
1: Oh dear.
0: (laughs) Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm I don't mind blood and stuff, but I get very squeamish um, with these things. So, well, Later on, we get to talk to a girl who may have
1: gangrene. Can I just um, tell you yeah. that episode, because I know the episode you're talking about. Yeah. Because I have a terrible, awful garbage mind, all I can think of is like all the jokes I want to make every time they talk about Caroline's hot pie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm a terrible human being. You can cut that out if
0: you want. You get the bell. Um, Here you go. <laughs> I don't edit, so it's there forever. There's a, there's a lot of stuff in this episode though. You you really get um hands on with the entire um with the action of being a paramedic um and also a doctor. They I think you get like this modern take on being a doctor because they're giving diagnoses through um I I don't know how they do an EKG through the radio, but apparently they could.
1: Well, that was a very special piece of equipment that was... um,
0: Is that a real piece of equipment that existed in the early 70s? Uh, The
1: orange range gauge... uh, The orange radio gauge in DeSoto used was a Model 3502 Biocom Biophone.
0: Mm. And it would literally transmit everything over the phone?
1: It was an ECG or an EKG, and it would show that it would basically... It was almost... Look, I'm not good at technical stuff, but... You're basically, explaining it perfectly well, I, I think. <laughs> basically it was almost like a fax machine that would like transmit. So I mean it's elect when you've got electrodes on someone, that's tra- you that can be converted into data and trans transferred, yeah. right? Like just like a tele a telex machine or yeah, you know the Well it's an early form are.
0: of a cell phone is really what I think this is. Yeah. And early cell phones were analog. So I mean was, EKG is like, analog. Yeah, so. exactly.
1: And it was early like cell phone and then it would fax on the other end, essentially, right? is they'd get a reading.
0: Hmm. I mean, it's just sending signals. I mean, our, our voices are just signals. So, I mean, I guess instead of it, it turning into audio, it turns into blip bops that um, mean something to the doctor at the end.
1: Right. And, you know, it's it's interesting to point out, too, that, you know, now paramedics have so much more. They don't have to – I mean, then they were so new. They had to have this constant, like, leash to the hospital, Right. Uh, Now paramedics probably do, uh, not probably, I know they do, they're able to do some diagnosis and do things without asking that permission from the hospital because everything in medicine always advances, you know. know,
0: It seemed as though the doctor was also taking the advice of the computer, right? I mean, that's what it seemed like. He He would look at the printout, and maybe the printout was making a suggestion as to what to prescribe in that scenario.
1: It's the result from the EKG, so mm. he's interpreting the data essentially.
0: So he just remembered all that stuff. <laughs> doctors <laughs> are crazy. <laughs> but um
1: <laughs> especially TV doctors.
0: <laughs> but uh yeah, exactly. So but yeah, I found the the technology in this particular episode to be very interesting. Um especially for the early 70s. I, I didn't know anything like this. Existed, And um, I'm sure it's 50 years later. I'm sure it's far more technologically um, sound in each ambulance. I mean, that's why it costs like each one is like a million dollars or something.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you've seen an ambulance go by and they've got like a laptop mounted right in the middle of like between the passenger and the driver, right?
0: I usually, I'm not paying attention. I'm usually yelling something like, slow
1: down. Oh, okay. I... (laughs) why do you want me to go? I think <laughs> growing up as an emergency services child, yeah. and I, I was also an only child, right? So I didn't right. have brothers and sisters. My mom could kind of, you know, shield me from a lot of this. And again, we were in a small town. I mean, if there was something big going on, and at that time they did Red Deer City, but also Red Deer County. So if my dad got called out all the time and took overtime all the time, like he, I remember once there was a grain elevator that had caught on fire that we could see from our house. And dad got the call, and we were, like, watching this thing burning, knowing dad was going to the call, right? Like, so...
0: No, it's intense. I mean, it had to be horrifying as a family.
1: Not uh, horrifying,
0: but, you know, you're worried. You're you're proud, but you're also very worried.
1: Nobody in emergency services is ever in it just by themselves if they've got a family. You can't not have an effect on your family Mm -hmm. and... I don't necessarily mean a negative effect, but I mean, I think I tend to, I always see the worst case scenario. I've never had the luxury to think it won't happen to me mm. because stuff happens to people every day that always think it won't happen to me. Right. Yeah. So well,
0: it's, um, it's definitely scary. Even what, that's what I mean. Like I'll watch this and I know that although these might be recreations of things, these things happen. People get gangrene and,
1: so when they wrote this show, it was taken from actual LA County logbooks hmm. from the fire department. So they actually, they really tried to stick to cases that had actually happened.
0: Well, that that definitely. Is, I mean, that's probably why the show was on the air for so long. It sounds like it was one of these like really kind of beloved thing. I like the fact that they really touch upon a personal friendship between. Um, I'm forgetting their names again. It Roy is. And Johnny. Yeah, Roy and John. And I really like the fact that they do kind of throw, even though I, I wish it was a little bit more. They throw in this little personal relationship that these two guys have.
1: I'll I'll tell a story when we get to a certain part in this.
0: Okay. Now okay. I I do want you though to listen very carefully to the monitor. Well, there's um an announcement over the PA system of the hospital, and okay. I don't I don't know if you caught this, but
1: is it Doctor Baker? Yes.
0: <laughs> I'm listening. I'm like, this is Dr. Baker. All right.
1: Of, cor- of course I caught it. You know I love Kevin Hagen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there it but uh, here we go. We So this episode actually is two people from Little House in the Prairie. We just only see one of them.
1: We only see one, yeah. Dr. Baker, we surgery.
0: So, Doc Baker, you, you have to listen really carefully. But um, apparently he's a surgeon now.
1: <laughs> you need to quit slag it off on Doc Baker. You really do. <laughs>
0: I don't think so. The
1: <laughs> guy <think> is <laughs> the guy is operating with what he has, man.
0: Listen, he has yes. a great head of hair, and that's it. <laughs> like, just, he, he gets everything he deserves, and then some.
1: Cut the guy some slack, for God's sake. I, he he's a Civil War veteran. I mean, come <laughs> on, he was a surgeon in the Civil War.
0: I will not. I will not back up on Doc B. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. The same same thing with Mary. He's
1: my boyfriend. Um.
0: <laughs> I, st- I get criticisms for being so harsh at, on Mary. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Did you happen I... to listen to this episode? <laughs> because I, I released an episode today about uh, living on the prairie. Living on a prairie. And um, Chris Hassler brings up uh, Melissa Sue Anderson's book. And he goes, you know, he, he's just looking at the size of the book. He's like, what is it, like 500 pages? Like, what did she write about? And I made this joke. I said, yeah, I heard about 85 of the pages are just the word me over and over again. <laughs>
1: <Harsh>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and um, he told me he thought that was a little harsh afterward. But um, the oh, but- the writer and producer of Living on a Prairie thought it was funny. So. Oh,
1: isn't she, like, not, I mean...
0: She's really, I I think she's standoffish. Is she standoffish?
1: Like, I think she's known for being standoffish and she doesn't really like the actress was. Oh, Melissa
0: Sue Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes and no. You know, it's one of those things where, um, I I think she distances herself from any celebrity that uh, she might have had just like Matthew Labrador or, um, or, or a number of the other um, people who are on the show. Some people just don't want it. And I don't blame them. You know, it's fine. Just give me the oh. interview and then, then go back to your life.
1: And then go back to your life. Yeah, to be fair to Mary, her life really did suck, though. I mean, how much terrible things can happen to one person? I mean, you mean real her real life? No, I mean Mary.
0: <laughs> oh, Melissa Sue Anderson?
1: No actual
0: Mary, like. Oh, that's all. All her I mean. kids
1: it's, die, and I mean, come on, it's
0: just, it's tragic. Oh, you mean the character? Right, but yeah, but I mean, we know this isn't a historical version of Mary. No,
1: of course, yeah. no.
0: But um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a sad, sad, sad thing. But um, but they move on pretty quickly, so uh, <laughs> That's things, you know, people don't sit around dwelling in Walnut Grove. So uh, here we go. We have a guy he comes in he's having um pain from an area where he was shot, <laughs> and his wife is getting the diagnosis. This is the kind of stuff I mean it's just so scary to me. it really is
1: How's my husband?
2: Well, he's conscious, and his vital signs are relatively oh. stable.
0: What a great voice this guy has
1: Oh <laughs> yeah, so his voice was used in an episode of Seinfeld oh was it yeah uh. <laughs> Yeah, it was the, I think it was, it was the one when Elaine is like, she keeps picking movies from this one person. Right. And then it was just like a voice in the movie because it's supposed to sound, they were trying to make it sound like some kind of like, um, you know, indie sort of like <laughs> foreign film or whatever. And then it's his voice talking in this very, I think it, they must've taken a clip from like, cause he's in the credits, but I think they must've just taken a clip from Emergency.
0: Um also the he this show is chock full of 1970s um refer- well physical references like this guy's um sideburns are out of control. Oh yeah. Um, um, um there's a VW Beetle in almost every shot?
1: Oh every. They're everywhere, right?
0: Um you know, and yeah I mean so if you want to look at actual classic cars and stuff like that that weren't classic at the time. It's a really interesting show. It just all all in all, it's a very interesting thing. Right down to the nurse's lounge with the ashtray on the table.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean and Robert Fuller had done a lot of work in Westerns throughout his career, who's the mm. the doctor. Yeah. And Jack Webb came down to offer him the role and he was like um <coughs> Pardon me. He's like, "Oh, I don't know no. I kind of like, you know, I like my Westerns and stuff." Jack Webb was like, "How's that going?" Cuz really, I mean, it was dying out by it.
0: Sure. Yeah, it's like early 70s. Like how many more spaghetti westerns and stuff like that do you, are you do? But he wasn't really doing spaghetti westerns.
1: No, he was doing like shows like he had his own show at one. I can't remember which right. one it was. There there's so many cowboy shows from the 50s and the 60s. It's ridiculous. Mm.
0: But but all in all, I think that he fits perfectly here. I love his demeanor and um, the way he delivers the lines are, are pretty solid. But here he continues telling his wife the deal. It's all my fault. I didn't want to get married just because I was
2: pregnant. I didn't want to get a husband that way. Your husband said you got married yesterday.
0: He talked me into it. I, I didn't want to, but he talked me into it. Uh, I don't see. Don't you understand? <sighs>
2: My father didn't know we were married.
0: I would interrupt this woman and would go, I am so bored right now. (laughs) He's going to be fine. I have to go.
1: (laughs) And it's a sort of like panicky 1970s, like, I don't know. It's it's just, you see that in like every show about, I don't know. It just seems like this very overacted, like crisis, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So what happened here is, her father got drunk and got mad at her new husband of 24 hours and shot him <laughs> that's essentially what happened and that's what i kind of like about the show things kind of come they go and and that's kind of it um and we get the, the kind of the connection throughout i think it's an exciting show and i'm not going to lie when i was watching one of the scenes i was i was really kind of caught up into the show and how it's going. And I, I really do love the pacing of the show and I think I will return to it and watch other episodes.
1: That's what happened to me is when I sat down with my husband to watch it and I was like, I really got hooked into the Mm. show and I got hooked into like the stories and the great, like you say, the great classic cars. Now Um, just, just the whole aesthetic of the show is, is great because it's very contemporary for its time and yeah, it sucked me right in. I mean, I sat there and binge watched it for a couple of weeks, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, what is there? Nine seasons or something? It's a it's a very it's a very long running show.
1: Ten, yeah, I think no, it's, it's one hundred
0: and thirty three episodes. So
1: yeah, they did a bunch of they did exactly what Little House did. They had a bunch of They had all the episodes, and then they had TV movies afterwards.
0: I mean, it's definitely it seems interesting, but up to this point, we know nothing about our two leads. And that's where this kind of falls into place. Uh, Johnny, uh, would you.
2: What are you doing tomorrow night? I don't know. Going up to Santa Barbara, I guess. I don't know. Well, would you like to have dinner with us? What, just the three of us? Well, not exactly. Uh, my wife's cousin's in town for a couple days. Yeah? Well, what does your wife's cousin look like? Well, actually, I haven't met her. Uh huh. No, really. She's, uh. She's supposed to be really something. <laughs> yeah. Just like uh just like the last one. Oh, I'm I'm sorry about that last time. I swear, I mean I had no idea that she was uh, a dog. But she did have a good personality.
0: Yeah, these are things you just wouldn't be able to do nowadays.
1: Well this... and rightfully so. As someone who's on the dog end of the list for women, I you know, it's
0: Well, it's the guy isn't he's supposed to be a nice guy, and it's weird. I know, but yeah, it's just—it's weird. It's the whole culture shift, and um, and that's fine. But he goes on and on about it.
1: Here's here's my story, so, though. Yeah. That I have to tell you about this. This is exactly how my parents met. <laughs> they, my dad's captain had my dad over to dinner because his cousin, my mom, was in town.
0: Holy moly!
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> when you first saw this episode, we were like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait hold on."
1: Yeah, I was like, yeah, that's exactly how my parents met, like, because the thing is, when you're in the fire service, because, and I worked shift work for a bunch of years with the Canadian Pacific Railway, so I, Mm. when you work shift work, you have no life outside of that shift work, right, you, I work night shifts, you're never on the same schedule as anyone else, you you usually don't have weekends off, You, you know, like, it's just a very weird thing, and you get very insular, so it's the same thing in the fire department, so yeah, like, I mean, all the people I knew were were firefighters when I was growing up or Mounties because mm. Red Deer to this day still has Mounties. Well,
0: it's who um, your environment is. You yeah. know, it's like, you know, hey, I think you might like this person. You know, it makes sense. That's very <laughs> that's, so. I, I love the fact that you can, you know, have the correlation between this show and your parents. Um, and did your parents get together at this uh, around this period of time?
1: Yep. Which is even crazier. <laughs> yeah, my parents got married in 1971. So this is, I <laughs> it's mean, early my, dad, 70s, like I say, my dad was essentially like DeSoto. Like I, you know, it's.
0: That's so funny.
1: <laughs> I've said to him like now since watching it, I'm like, I understand why you didn't like it. I said, but as someone who was growing up in the service and watching like what was going on, like even some of the smallest. At some point in the series, you notice they've got the walkie talkies, right? With the big long. Yeah. You have to pull the thing out. And Mm -hmm. at some point they switched to one that's like, it's solid. You don't pull it out. They just screw in. They're waterproof. They're, they're like, they're flexible. They're way more useful. Right. And I remember when my dad came home with a radio like that was like, Hey, these are great. They don't break as much. They're way, you know, like he was excited about it. Right. So there's so many moments in this series that I just relate to.
0: Hmm. I mean, and that is interesting. It's kind of like you saw like the, um, these little moments that maybe you haven't thought about in a lot of time for a really long time. And then you see it kind of pop up in here and it's like a weird, you know, weird connection.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a nice sort of like, it's actually a nice connection. It's, it's, you know, it's interesting looking at the world I grew up in, like now as an adult and just sort of having those memories of, you know, like how, I mean, I wanted to be like my dad, I wanted to be a firefighter. I wanted to, you know,
0: Mm.
1: And is that, so, some,
0: is that something you ever went towards? I mean, you did.
1: No, I was you steered did work very, within
0: it, though you did work for um, other aspects of.
1: Government. Yeah, I. My dad steered me away from the fire department. I mean, mm. I don't even think my city had female firefighters when I was growing up. Um, mm. And I think, honestly, if you could have told me that I could like what I was like my son's age, if you could have told me that I could have presented as a boy and just done boy things and never had to do girl things, I totally would have.
0: Yeah. You were saying before that uh, you consider yourself a bit of a tomboy.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely am. I just wanted to be like my dad, my whole life. Like I, you know, and I, I regret not having the chance to sort of follow that path. Cause I think I would have been pretty good at it. I think I, I functioned best. Like when I worked for the railway. I functioned best because I was working in a safety critical job where there was a lot of moments that I had to you know, coordinate and deal with. I was a rail traffic controller. Um, mm. You guys call them operators um, yeah. in the States, but it was like, I mean, it was, a, it was an awesome job. And I really, I really flourished, I think under um, like having a job that had some pressure to it. Mm. Well,
0: I, I think, you know, but you still have this great connection with not only your father, but also with what he did. So
1: yeah. And my other nice connection right now is that hopefully when things get back to normal, I actually play on the Cappy Smart Concert Band here in the city, which is Cappy Smart was Calgary's first fire chief, so I actually play on the firefighter band. So
0: and you I, play trumpet, right?
1: I do. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Um, trumpet was always the instrument I wish I took up. I can fake it, but I sound terrible. <laughs> um. But here we are, we're in the, um, one of the rooms, we're talking to a young lady who has a problem with her hand and, um, this is the second of the doctors. This is the doctor who's played by, I'm sorry, I have his name here somewhere. This is Bobby Troop, I believe.
1: Yep, Bobby Troop and the nurse who plays, um, oh shit, what's her name? Totally got into my head. The head nurse. Yeah, it's is,
0: Julie London.
1: That's Julie London. Yeah. I can't think of what her character's name is. Julie London and Bobby Troop were married.
0: Oh, in real life. Yeah, course. and
1: Jack Webb was her ex husband.
0: Oh my God. That must have been a very interesting. Well, uh,
1: they apparently yeah. had an amicable split because Jack Webb came to her and said, Would you two like, the, I think you'd be great for these roles. And uh, Bobby Troop and Julie London were actually jazz musicians. He mm. played the piano, she sang. But they were kind of their kids were sort of like our age, like the kid the the age of our kids. Yeah. And they, they kinda wanted like to be at home now more, not traveling on the road. So they took the gig because they were like, Yeah, this is actually works out perfectly.
0: You know, they died only about a year apart from each other and um in nineteen ninety nine and two thousand. And um out of the main cast here, they're the only ones who passed away.
1: Yeah, and if you if you read any interviews from the other cast members, because of course they were the older cast members, right? Like,
0: yes, they were. I mean, um, they were they at least fifteen twenty years. Um, yeah, on them,
1: and the actors. If you hear the actors talk about them in any sort of interviews and stuff, they were like mom and dad on the set. Hmm. They helped with acting. They helped with life. They were just like the two people you could always count on. I guess it was a really good cast and crew to work with.
0: It sounds like it, and a lot of times like these. Maybe on like Little House, you know, people would actually have personal relationships, which clearly they did. <laughs> <because> <laughs> divorces and all types of bad. But here, we're going to get real with this patient, and this gave me the cringes. I was like, "Oh my god, I can't watch this."
2: How long was this condition present today? Not very long. The very first sign, you should have contacted your doctor. I was afraid, but don't try to con me now. I know all about trying to escape reality. Tell me the truth. You have gangrene. I'm going to do an arteriogram. That is, I'm going to inject dye into an artery, an X-ray to check the flow of blood through the vessels. That'll show us the extent of the damage. Gangrene? But that's absurd. I'm afraid it's a side effect of drug addiction. I'm not an addict. You do take barbiturates, don't you? What's that got to do with it? Well, some addicts when they need a barbiturate to calm them down. They'll dissolve the powder in water and inject it. Isn't that what you did? Go on. If the injection gets into an artery by mistake, as in your case, it can burn the line in the artery.
0: Sorry, I can't listen anymore. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's one of these things where you get, like, the dragnet, you know, the real talk and we go right to the next thing.
1: <laughs> I feel that uh, a lot of shows in the seventies were very preachy about drugs. <laughs>
0: Rightfully so. Um, coming coming off point. of
1: the sixties. And I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, I mean, this is when you could get Fen Fen to lose weight. I mean, what kind of mm-hmm. fantasy fun world was that, um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know, it's, um, it was very preachy. Um, I don't know how effective um It was, but I'm sure maybe it helped somebody. Um, But here we are. We're in the somewhere in the hills, you know, in California. And our guys are showing up. They got their orange box. And there is a drunk guy passed out on the lawn. And his children are out there. And the wife, who's not really the biggest fan of her husband, is out there. And everybody's crowded around.
2: What's the problem? seems like he's had a little too much to drink.
0: Truck. He's always been a truck.
2: Well, What happened, man?
0: Now there's a little girl on the side and she has like kind of like these Oshkosh overalls on and uh she's playing with what appears to be to me anyway is a GI Joe late 60s um space capsule. Um, Absolutely.
1: Is, is that really, it? Yeah. I think that's exactly what it is. It's a I think it's a Mercury, maybe Gemini. Yeah. And maybe I th- Gemini. I,
0: if it's the one I'm looking at, I looked it up on eBay really quickly. And if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's the one that came with the record and the capsule and this whole thing. And it's selling not too bad for about $400 in the box, which really isn't terrible, I think.
1: No, not really. And I think it's really cool that she's playing with it, right? Like, again, I was that kid who wanted to always play with hmm. Boy toys and and
0: and now you married one. No, um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, so, he does look pretty good in his white, so, I'm not gonna wah, lie. Wah, wah.
0: so we, but that little girl is none other than who?
1: That is Miss Melissa Gilbert. No, before Little House in the Prairie.
0: Now, did she do anything before this, or is she, this her fir- her first, like, TV role?
1: Uh, if you read her, her biography which name escapes me now, but uh, she was doing a lot of commercial work. And I think she did have a couple of other um, Mm -hmm. TV spots, but they weren't on a show that was so popular. And she actually talked specifically about the scene and how she thought she did great on set. And When she got home, she was really hard on herself and thought she looked stupid and that it didn't work. And she wasn't great, (laughs) which I think is unfair because I think she's great. So, but she
0: plays Jenny and I think she has a pretty intense little scene. Actually, I thought it was pretty good.
1: But and she's know, pretty little, too. Like, this is what yeah. she was 10 when, in 1974. So she's like,
0: yeah. well,
1: this would, I think this is the second season. So this is 1971. She would have been, like, seven. So she's little. Yeah. So let's
0: listen to the wife kind of go off on her husband.
1: I passed out That's what happened For
2: the hundredth time. I saw him staggering up the steps, and I locked the door, and he just fell right there where you see him.
0: Now basically she talks for the next five minutes about the same stuff, right? And they're they're basically administering like um life-saving techniques, um all these different things. They're uh they do the EKG through the radio, which I think is kind of interesting. Um I just wonder if there was interference and stuff like that. You would just imagine this is a if you're dealing with something Like, um, that that's so sensitive, I I just wouldn't imagine that it would be such a clean connection. But maybe these are all things that they, of course, thought about and worked around. But we have them phoning into the hospital, they speak to the doctor, and the doctor prescribes something right away for them to administer. Um, It's so modern, even to today's standards, I think, when I watch it. Um, it's just kind of amazing that before this, before we were able to have this kind of line of communication, it's very often people would just likely die. Right.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, like, again, you're constant picking on Dr. Baker. Like even if he, even if chest compressions were a thing, what's he going to do? Give someone chest compressions for the four days it takes to get to an actual hospital. Like that's not going to help it.
0: (laughs) He could try. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, but like, yeah, I mean, this was this was when the service was kind of coming into its own as being more, like I say, more proactive, being able to treat things. And again, like in all cases of medicine, a lot of paramedics in the 70s were Vietnam veterans who had been medics.
0: Oh, yeah. That makes course, total sense.
1: Well, yeah, because, of course, you've always – anytime there's a war, you always see huge advances in medicine, right, because it's – Just what ends up happening because you've got so you've got to do so much work but then they start to come up with ideas and things because they've got so many i i don't want to say test subject but kind of the same the way right because they try things to try and save people's lives because they they're in a situation where they can make those decisions right and you know not have to worry you know if you're working at like an evac hospital you're you know and and like a nurse you know in mass, you see the nurses will actually close patients and stuff. Well, a, a stateside nurse that wasn't military wouldn't know how to close patients in the oh, 1950s, sure. right? But yeah. a military nurse would. So, you know, so we see a lot of these techniques coming from what they learned in evac stations hmm. during in Vietnam and and mass units and um,
0: and they do touch upon that in other episodes. I saw they they do talk about bringing in different um different types of people that they'll bring in to train or something. And they might have a military background or, so the show is definitely one of these shows that brings to the forefront things that we don't really think about so much anymore. Um, because you know, war has really been such, um, in the, in the past, you know, like, you know, legitimate ground wars. I mean,
1: well, yeah. And I mean, at this time in history, when this show is going on, nobody takes first aid. You know, we all have first aid now, right? Like we've all mm-hmm. taken it at least once, I'm sure. Yeah. For a job, for um, when people saw, like, chest compressions were a, a relatively new thing. Mm. When people saw CPR being done on the show, there were stories of people in the public who someone had a heart attack in a restaurant, and they just started doing what they saw in emergency. <sighs> until the paramedics got there and actually saved the guy's life
0: or killed them. (laughs) Like, you know, it's, I I would just imagine that you do it wrong. You can break people's ribs and cause a lot
1: of damage. If you're doing it. Okay. According to my dad who did this for a living, like forget all the BS you get taught in first aid. Mm -hmm. If you're doing it properly, you probably should break a couple of ribs. Right. Right. And they are for sure going to throw up on you. That's how you know. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) I take my courses because I have to, because I work with kids and stuff, but I'm always like, yeah, if I ever have to do it, I'm just going to be like hardcore in there. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's also, you know, whenever they have to revive somebody, if they um, don't have a DNR, you know, a lot of times the reason, you know, if an old person is dying, you know, people explain like, well, if you don't sign a DNR, there's a good chance that you're going to have a lot of injuries after we revive you.
1: They're going to have to... because, and CPR, I mean, the whole reason people do CPR out, like, that we're taught to do it. I mean, now we have AED machines that basically do on their own, right? I mean, it's a totally different world now. But the whole point of doing compressions is just to keep blood flowing until we can get you to a place where they can stabilize you and possibly, like, revive yeah. you, right? Right. Or until the paramedics can come and give adrenaline or whatever. Like, it's just to keep that blood flowing so that your brain isn't dying. Everybody should
0: like. just carry an adrenaline shot, you know. It's like a Pulp Fiction, you
1: know? Oh, no. What was that? Um, what was the movie about Alcatraz? The Rock? Maybe. With, uh, yeah, and at some point he has to, like, there's some kind of toxin, and, and he actually has to, like, jam this needle straight into his heart. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And It was just, like, it was really, it was a good scene, because it was just like, oh, my God, that's so awesome.
0: Oh, my God, that sounds painful. <laughs>
1: I'm such a weirdo. I'm, like, that person. I'm the person who gets in the plane and hopes it goes down so I can, like... <sighs> Oh, yeah, I want to you be like. This,
0: I, you think this uh, chair floats?
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, I literally get in an airplane. I should. I used to fly too. I know. Mean, yeah. I I didn't get my license because I decided to have a baby, and babies are expensive, and flying yeah. is also expensive, as you know. It's
0: about the same, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, but um, yeah, like I I'm a total what they call a bird nerd, so I watch all the shows like Mayday, and that's hmm. I don't know what they call it in the states, but.
0: Yeah, what did you which, fly? Like a Cessna uh, type thing or?
1: Yeah, I started on a DA twenty katana, which is a um they're they're a little racier. They're kind of like this they're like a sports car compared to not really they're like a Mustang compared to a minivan, which is like compared to the Cessna. Mm-hmm. They they have the yoke is in the middle between your legs and they've got a bubble that you bring down, and they've got really long wings because they're based on gliders. Oh, and I know I, what
0: you're talking about. I think I know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, and then I switched to the the 172 um uh, like I
0: 757
1: you know yes yeah,
0: <laughs> so back to laura ingles um in la
1: yes
0: she's going she sees her father on the stretcher and they're dragging her, him away to the ambulance and she decides to kind of get triggered at this moment
1: this guy looks pretty yellow
2: it's gonna be all right it's gonna be all right they're gonna take him to the hospital and make him well
0: so i thought that melissa gilbert did a very good emotional running to the um i don't know if that is that john that's right that's right <laughs> yeah. i am never i'm never gonna remember that but um runs to to Roy and um, just embraces him. And it just, it's a sweet little moment. I thought it was, I
1: think it's a great little scene. Like, you know, it really tugs at your heartstrings and, you know, it should. I mean, I think that was, I think it's actually a really good scene.
0: She's also basically, I think she's coming to grips that her dad is probably not coming back home.
1: Well, yeah. And I think that, you know, compared to some of the overacting we see in the adults, I think Melissa Gilbert was great in that scene.
0: Yeah, me too. Absolutely.
1: So, Melissa, if you 're listening, you were great in that scene don't don 't ever think you weren't.
0: <laughs> Maybe you could have been better no um <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> don 't listen to Mark either
0: <laughs> so um here we have we're back at the hospital where we 're treating patients we're doing everything. Um, they can't figure out right away what is wrong with this girl so I'm just going to let this play a little bit.
2: expected for a long time she might be taking something. I thought I thought she was drinking. Uh, we keep liquor in the house like everybody. I never could smell anything on her breath though. Sometimes at night she'd come home acting drunk though and sleepy.
0: I'm waiting for the mom to go. Can I smoke in here? <laughs> <laughs> pressure is 100 over 60. Pulse is 110.
2: Draw blood for a barbiturate level. Start an IV with D5W. Then today when I when I came home she was crying and complaining that her stomach ached. When she started screaming, I, I brought her in here. I, I made her show me what she'd taken. I sent up the pills to be analyzed. What do they look like? Street reds.
0: Street reds <laughs> so I laugh just because it's kind of like these are things that do happen, but this poor girl ends up that she was she took a drug that was laced with um essentially lie. Um, sodium hy- hydroxide, right?
1: Okay, yeah.
0: And I'm just gonna go to it. So he basically explains exactly what the situation is. But you know we hear we've heard about these type of things. Um, you hear about it even nowadays with um, phenin- fentanyl.
1: Re- Fent- fentanyl.
0: Yeah. Fentanyl. Um, you know, there seems to be this type of thing that still kind of goes on on some level. Oh yeah, uh sorry.
1: Uh my husband one of the teaching jobs he had was with uh government of Alberta like organization that's for uh teenagers with addiction problems. Mm. And yeah, like I mean street drugs are always laced with stuff.
0: Yeah, and then you get the people who are just making stuff in their kitchen and yeah, god I mean, knows what people are making now. Holy oh, and moly. like
1: cocaine is like usually laced with things like um rat poison and like it's crazy baby stuff laxative
0: people...
1: yeah because they're trying to like
0: <laughs> well you need to cut it with some well i mean you need you know, to cut need it, to with something it
1: so you make more money right
0: right so if you have x amount if you have four grams of something you could turn it into six grams of it if you add a bunch of filler correct
1: yeah
0: not that i know anything about this people
1: but, no <laughs> yeah not that we know anything about this um And of course you're trying to find something that'll actually like still give the person some kind of high. I mean, you can't just mix it with flour because whoever bought it is going to know. But if you mix it with something that gives them like a better high, right? Yeah. Like they're going to know, right.
0: Or if some to help you move your bowels, like baby laxative, (laughs) they don't stick around for so long.
1: Well, if you're also doing heroin, that might be okay.
0: Oh, that's true. It's (laughs) awesome. Yeah. That might be a part of it. I don't know.
1: Maybe. I don't know. Yeah.
0: But here we go. We're going to get um, a little bit of a discussion about sodium hydroxide.
2: That was the lab, Mrs. Patterson. They've analyzed what was in the capsule she took. What? They were cut with sodium hydroxide. Sodium hydroxide? Uh, Caustic soda, like they use for cleaning stopped-up drains.
0: Or rat poison. So she's yeah. saying, you know, they, they turn over to the police because, I mean, not that they can really do much of anything at this point. It's, um, again, these, a lot of cautionary tales. A lot of, um, look, if she didn't take the pill in the first place, she wouldn't be in this situation.
1: Yeah, I think that it's situations that they tell the police that whatever task force is working on drugs or whatever can, you know, like I think they do take records of that to see like, Oh, if this is coming from a certain neighborhood, then they can yeah. track it a little better. Right. So. Yeah.
0: To a point. I mean, it's, um, I, w- I would just imagine that it's, there's not much they can do when it's already out there. Maybe warn people. Um But you know, that's what, that's what the show is all about though. It's kind of like you get a kid to watch it and it's kind of like, all right, maybe I won't take the reds. Um, but here we go. These guys only seem to communicate when uh, they're on break, they, even though they sit next to each other all day, they don't see, they don't really talk about anything casual unless they're on a break.
1: I think we always see them like at a scene though we don't see them driving around doing nothing or <laughs>
0: yeah, they they're always um always busy, so whenever they get a moment of downtime, we get to hear some type of story. Here. You know Charlie's number, by any chance?
2: Charlie. Hagan? On b Yeah, I thought I'd ask him if he wants to come to dinner with us. Well, I never said I wouldn't come. How much does she weigh? Look, I told you I've never seen her. Oh, for heaven's sake. Look, she can't be all that bad, she, she happens to be a professional model. Oh, God.
0: Are you kidding me? She's a model? Are you kidding That's a sound that reminded me of my childhood. So I think I saw this show.
1: Oh yeah,'
0: so I was, I mean so where else would I have heard that? Maybe Adam twelve or something.
1: No but maybe your parents were watching it. You just kind of wandered through the room and
0: yeah, I um but like you know, those sirens and everything, but um they they are always being pulled away. And um, I just hope they turned the burner off. On the, they were heating up uh, some type of beverage.
1: God, how embarrassing would that be if you burned down your own fire department? <laughs> exactly,
0: and nobody's around. Places. I'm empty.
1: sure. In, I'm sure in the long history of the New York Fire Department, they probably have a story like that because oh, yeah. they have some like amazing stories.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it happens. I'm sure it's happened. There's no doubt about it. Um, now they go to a guy who's in. What looks to me like an early, well, of course, an early 70s um, Pontiac, Firebird, maybe? I don't know what this thing is, but (laughs) they send the EKG, and there seems to be a, a decent amount of interference. So they say, check for a pacemaker, and we get a very graphic description as to why he could not find the pacemaker first and i just thought geez, like you know like you don't have to be so mean about it all right yeah there's a
1: lot of fat shaving in this show yeah
0: what well, is uh, la yeah
1: my little house has it though too
0: not like this you know i'm just gonna play it stand by
2: rampart pacemaker it's got a pacemaker right here on the side it's hard to see with all this
0: fat what? It's hard to see with all this fat. It's like, but I
1: love the definition of LA fat, right?
0: Like, yeah, exactly.
1: There's one episode, I don't know if it's this one, but Johnny, he's talking about like, so the running gag with Johnny and women is that he strikes out all the time, like just
0: Oh, really? Time. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> no. So he's got all these standards and he's so ridiculous, but he, he just strikes out every time. And... um. <clears throat> there's at one point when he's running down the list of, you know, which nurses are not married. And then he's like, well, and this many nurses are above 150 pounds. And I'm like, you want to give me a break? That's the skinniest I've ever been. Like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but, LA is in general, um, such a difficult place. Um, now we all, we talked to a guy who's having all these pains, these weird issues with his body and, Um, and basically the doctor points out that he most likely has tetanus. This guy claims to be 25 years old, does not look 25 years old. And, um, he sees a needle mark like he had shot up. It seems as though there's a lot of people on the show who like to say things along the lines of, um, I'm not a junkie or I, I don't do that or. I only do it once, and so what if I do? And There seems to be a lot of that going on, and I think that that's accurate. That's the way you you deal with these kind of addicts. But I do, now that I'm thinking about it, I do like the fact that they're taking these people into situations where they're just recreationally using drugs, and they're putting them into hospitals. They're showing that the outcome really is a severe, possibly a severe one. So I thought, you know, I think it's accurate. It's it's interesting. But then we get to my favorite story in the entire episode. It's a little girl who put her arm in the drain of a pool. And somehow it got stuck in there. Did they explain that at all? No, really? oh, I
1: don't know. Yeah, I think, well, you know how pool drains you kind of have, like, there's the you main the part, suction. but then there's, like, oh. there is, like, another part of it that, I don't know.
0: I thought that this was a really, really crazy scene. Um, They have to drain the pool. I'll I'll play some of it. It, It's really interesting. We were draining the pool, and she was supposed to be playing in the apartment. I went to the store, and when I came back, I went to look for her, and I heard her crying, and her arm is stuck, and I can't get it out. Ow!
2: Uh, Sorry, she must have dropped her doll down here, and I went in after it. Ow!
1: Oh, Don't worry now, we're going to get you out.
0: She must have dropped her doll. It's like such a weird thing.
1: It is weird. Um, this, this is a
0: typical LA skate park kind of pool. <laughs>
1: 100%. I um. Yeah, I'm always shocked when I fly into places like LA or Houston or whatever. And I'm like, there's so many pools. I'm like, wow. There's so yeah. many pools here.
0: So, yeah, everybody has pools. It's crazy. I grew up
1: with a pool in the backyard.
0: Ah, oh, there you go. I did
1: that. Uh, but. It took a lot to keep it. I mean, it was, it was an above ground, but my dad had built this beautiful deck around it. And, mm-hmm. Um, and I would literally like start, we'd usually get it up and running by the May long weekend. So the weekend that just passed.
0: Uh, here, so, yeah. You have your yeah. opening.
1: And we would like, dad would work really hard to keep it going until we usually have it up till like Canadian Thanksgiving.
0: Mm. So, really? That Really? Uh, well, that's a month before our Thanksgiving,
1: right? Yeah. So early October. So I know a
0: little yeah. bit about Canada.
1: go um it takes a lot i would love to have one now but i know how much work it takes
0: oh yeah yeah yeah. we when i first bought this house we put a pool in and um we kept it for two seasons then we got rid of it because i hated it i hated the maintenance i hated the aspect of of running it and everything i just did not like it
1: it's a huge amount of work, right so yeah
0: I didn't um, and I do not regret getting rid of it once. I hated it, <laughs> hated it, hated it it was it was worth every penny to get rid of it, so oh. um it was a complete loss, but I love this story because all right they drain the pool there's a little bit of water left, and then they they basically essentially have to cut her arm out of the pool,
1: correct, and I'm going to tell you that the person you see operating the device that they do that with yeah his name is mike stoker mike stoker was an actual firefighter his side gig was acting in this show oh
0: that's hilarious so
1: so anytime usually you'll see him driving the trucks you'll see him using the equipment because he's the one who's actually trained on it so they had but something about (coughs) pardon me firefighters because they do tend to work shift work where they get a chunk of time off in a weird way, because of the shift work, tend to be chronic honeymooners, yeah. and we'll have like extra jobs. Like my dad finished houses. Like there's th- so in Mike Stoker's case, it was as an actor, so he That's had his cool. card. And, and I was yeah. wondering
0: about that because the you know the tool does not look like the kind of casual tool. Like all right, you hand me a chainsaw, I kind of know how to use a chainsaw, I can get through it. This is kind of a specialized tool.
1: Yeah, I don't think they're using the Jaws of Life yet for this, but they're using... This is like a cement cutter or something that they have, I think.
0: Yeah, and um, I'm going to play a little bit of what it sounds like. And I just could not imagine my arm being stuck down a hole while this thing is inches away. And even though, like... It's even though she's probably not really right there, you know. It's covered in a tarp. This thing, it's loud, it's scary, and there's bits of probably concrete flying everywhere, and it's crazy. Yeah,
1: and if you notice, like they've they've covered her with a tarp. They're covering her with their bodies, like they're making sure she's.
0: <laughs> they I didn't want to give her kind... ear goggles. I mean, the uh, ear
1: to protect yeah, but they her hearing. Nobody did. Like the firefighter, my dad actually has hearing damage from <sighs> years of being under the siren. Right. So. Yeah now if you watch a truck go by, you'll notice they're probably wearing peltors or something similar.
0: Well, that's smart, because that doesn't come back. But yeah, you know, this, this young actress is a real trooper. I thought that she was excellent in this. Um, she really acted the whole thing really well. It seemed like a very uncomfortable scene to be in.
1: There's a lot of kids yeah. in this series in general, and I think, again, like you were saying, the kind of morality play is that they were really trying to hone in on these things that kids do that can be really dangerous. Yeah. Cause of course, seventies parents, you know, we they were just like, it's like how much so, does it pay? <laughs> yeah. They were just like drinking, you know, their beer on the patio, their little stubbies and smoking their cigarettes. And we're like, yeah, whatever the kids do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now we do have a scene here with, um, I didn't know they were married before, but we have Julie London and Bobby troop and they're kind of meeting afterward and, um, talking a little bit about the day.
2: Nice job, Joe. Well, like they say, you can't lose them all. Yeah, well, I wish we could say the same thing
0: for this Patterson girl. Can you guys get a room? Seriously. <laughs>
1: <laughs> In the first season, they really tried to push a relationship between her and the other doctor. Oh, really? <laughs> and it was awkward. It just didn't work.
0: <laughs> but here, they talk about... A, I, I'm wondering, is this something that happens often where they get together at the end of the episode to discuss the case or you get resolution on all of the things that you've seen.
1: I think for the most part, they tried to have some resolution. Mm. Um, it wasn't.
0: No, go on. I'm sorry.
1: I'm trying to think of something like similar to now mm. about how you don't ever really see the end. And I can't think of, I've, I've completely, I've blanked out. A bit. Right. Yeah. They try and resolve. I mean, I think that TV was much more resolved back then in general. Like they tend to, mm. you know, we tied up loose ends at the end and,
0: well, here Did they it. are talking about the day's um, cases.
2: She the one that took those reds laced with sodium hydroxide? Yeah, that's right. Looks like they're going to have to do a subtotal gastrectomy. they <coughs> will be lucky if she keeps one third of her stomach. Thank you.
0: She'll lose a lot of weight, though. She was pretty skinny to begin with, though. Oh,
1: God, maybe I should take some drugs.
0: <laughs> don't, don't do it. Don't take a lot. <laughs> it's not worth it. Think of all that all-you-can-eat sushi you'll miss out on.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah,
0: (laughs) you're right. We were talking about this um, before, how we kind of miss, like, um, all of the, I guess, let's call them creature comforts of a pre-COVID-19 existence. And one of those things is going to all-you-can-eat sushi places. There's this phenomenal sushi place that's near us um, called Yummy Yummy, and it's... um, They have like the, you know, one of those sushi kind of things, but it's all like really good sushi. It's kind of expensive, but it's an, they have that one price you pay and it's like, you just can have as much as you want. And I never do it because I can't eat that much sushi. Rice is one of those things. I can't, um, I just can't eat a lot of it.
1: But you can load up in the sashimi. Yeah. There's lots of room. I've (laughs) thought this out way too much. And I think it's, you know, I think the, the lack of it is getting to me. Um, Yeah. You got to,
0: you have to move on and. You need them to reopen. Yeah. It's coming. It's coming.
2: That's rough. They know how it happened. Mm hmm. Police turned up a classmate of hers. She was mad because a Patterson girl was making a play for her boyfriend.
0: Very deep voice, right?
1: Yeah, like, and very deep, sexy, right? Like,
0: right, right. Like a whiskey laden type of.
1: You should, after this, you should look up, like, her singing because she really had an amazing voice. Yeah,
0: I'm going to look into it. I see there's a picture of Boo. Um, Booby. Bobby Troop. <laughs> Booby Troop. Um, playing piano with. Um, oh, God. I'm forgetting his name. It'll come to me after this clip.
2: Thought she'd teach her a lesson. Drugs. That's three rough cases we've had today. One's going to lose a chunk of her stomach, another, a hand, and a third may lose his life. You think they'll ever learn? Oh, well, they learn all right, Joe.
0: Mostly when it's too late. Womp womp. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Um, so, yeah, he's he's performing at Sammy Davis Jr. And, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. He unfortunately passed away on my birthday in
1: 1999.
0: Oh, no. Yeah, I, I always hate seeing that kind of stuff.
1: But I he, know, he'd yeah. love to
0: be 80. You know, I, I don't. Maybe that was a good, you know. These people had such deep voices, I would imagine they were heavy smokers.
1: Oh, probably. So I always like the Little House in the Prairie curse. Like, oh, all these actors died. I'm like, they were all smokers. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Victor they lived French in a culture
0: smoked, like, yeah, they these people, lived, smoked, right? Yeah. They lived in a culture where there was an ashtray in every room in a hospital. Like it's, it, it was just the way it was. But, um, I don't know. I I really am glad that you brought this, um, show to my attention. I think I'll, Go and check it out. Is it available outside of D V D that you know of?
1: Uh probably. I
0: I didn't know if it was in Prime or, or something. Oh well,
1: yeah, I've never even looked if it's on let me check and see if I find
0: out. Well, Chantella, I, well, I wanna thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I'm sorry I talked off your ear before we uh, hopped on this.
1: Oh no, this is great. I love Connecting with people, especially people in different places, it's just so good to hear perspective. And
0: yeah, yeah I, I had a great time. I had a really great time doing it. Hopefully, you return. Um, maybe we could see if we can have you pop into the Delorean and we can head back to uh, the eighteen nineties oh. or eighteen. I'm sorry, eighteen seventies, and um, you know, do a Warner cast perhaps. If, if I would, I would
1: love to do, and especially any any Kevin Hagen focused one
0: because. And I, yeah. I might even hold off on them, but I won't. <laughs> He's actually one of my favorite characters. Um, it's just, I think being a doctor in the 19th century had to be just horrible
1: and frustrating yeah. because you, you know, I think too, I, his other work is really good too. Like if you, like I've watched a bunch of his other work and I mean, I think he was a really solid actor.
0: You had, you had one of three things you can give somebody, you know, take aspirin, a little alcohol or morphine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you know I think they were kind of off of morphine because they learned a lot about it during the Civil War. But heroin and cocaine were huge. They were like in everything.
0: Yeah, I have this reproduction of the um, of an 1896 catalog, um, Montgomery Ward, and they sell all kinds of weird stuff in there that you could just buy from the catalog. And oh, I, I would stuff. imagine, I would imagine twenty years prior to that, thirty, even forty years prior, you'd be able to buy even more crazy stuff through the catalog. Well,
1: I think. You've had a guest on before, and you and she were talking about radium girls, the women who used to oh, paint. Oh, that's right, yeah. And that's another interesting thing. I mean, you could get science kits in the 1950s that had, like, radioactive material in them, right? Like,
0: Well, you know, they were... <laughs> there you go, kids. You would buy watches, like uh, wristwatches, and they would glow in the dark because of the radium that was painted on the dial.
1: Yeah, like...
0: This is radioactive um, right on your wrist for you yeah. know for your entire day.
1: And these women spending all day with these little Japanese paintbrushes.
0: Yeah, there's a just... there's a documentary out there that um, I believe is uh, really phenomenal.
1: Yeah, there's a book called Radium Girls, and I think, I think I got this information from the show oh. with the other person talking about it. But she said there may be a movie coming out. And I'd really like to see it because it was it's a, a long very... time
0: ago. I don't I don't remember who I was talking to. About... I don't
1: remember. Either, but I, I remembered that. Ah, hmm. oh, memory's a funny thing,
0: but... <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> as it goes away on mine. But um, <laughs> I, I tend to just forget everything. But uh, Chantel, thank you again. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, I really do hope that you take the time to you know pop on to WannaCropCast as well. Thank you for listening to Retro TV. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving us a review. See you next time.